This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of West Side Stories, your Raptors 905 basketball podcast presented by Raptors Republic. I am one half of your hosting duo, Kelsey, and I am joined by my co-host. Dwayne Notice, I'm the other half. What's going on, everybody? First and foremost, we just want to say thank you to everyone who is going to be listening to this. We are so excited to be doing this. You know, the 905 and the G League are both something that are very close to both of our hearts. Let's talk a little about that, about why we're doing this. First and foremost, um, I could talk basketball all day. I'm sure you can as well. The listeners know that I'm some, this is something I'm very passionate about, media, basketball. Just want to collide the two worlds. Um, being someone that's played basketball at a high level and also has played for the Raptors 905 in the past, I thought that it would be a great opportunity for me to kind of you know, be 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 a conduit between the fans and, you know, the team itself. And um, what better opportunity than to have a podcast with somebody that I've had a, a great relationship with for the past couple of years. Um, being someone that's played basketball, you never really thought that basketball would ever end. And I'm not saying that it has, but when you experience an injury like I have, then you start to you know ponder about life without basketball. And for me, as someone who went to school, university for media, just having the opportunity to have a podcast and you know share my experiences, my thoughts, my stories, and also relay what's going on to, you know, um, with the news with the Raptors on five. Um, I had to jump on the opportunity and you know had a relationship that I cultivated with with Kelsey throughout the years, just being someone that's been great in the media. Um, to me, this is a great opportunity for us to just talk basketball and just uh, give the people what they want to see and hear. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like you said, the you never really think about life outside of basketball when you're playing. You think, you know, I'm going to be Vince Carter. I'm going to play till I'm 40. And then an injury happens so quickly and you're kind of just left thinking, OK, so what's next? So, yeah, this this was kind of a no brainer when we were presented with the opportunity was for for you and I to team up on this, because like you said, what basketball podcasts and basketball media is missing is that kind of middleman between the player and the audience. So we are in this unique situation where we, we actually have that and we can say, you know, this is why you're wrong analytics guys, or this is what we should be focusing on. So I think that what we're going to bring is something, you know, extremely unique and I'm so excited to be part of it. Yeah. Me as well. Um, You know, cause usually you have guys that are former players, former, I'm still playing. So this is something that, you know, I can give my insight and my 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 two cents about because I'm actually still living this life of being a basketball player um, at this level, and um, you know, having the insight that I do, I think it'll be it'll be great for the fans to hear. And then, like you said, just as a young basketball player, you you kind of get lost in your immortality or at least your thoughts of thinking that you're immortal, and you never really assume or think that you you know retire or get injured or or whatever the case may be. So when it actually happens, you know, I start to think to myself, how can I transition 
um, easily when, when that time is was over for me when it comes to dribbling the basketball. And, you know, that famous saying that you always hear is use basketball, do not let basketball use you. So I just want to, you know, continue to do that and, and, and encourage kids. Like, like I said, you, you, you grow up, I've grown up, I've heard it at camps, I've heard it at schools, I've heard it from family, I've heard it from, from OGs in the game that, you know, to have a backup plan, have a plan B. And, you know, as a kid, you never really, you think nothing of it. It goes through one year, it comes out the other because, you know, you're young, you don't get hurt, you're playing every day, you just think life, life is great, you're going to play basketball forever and ever and ever, but that's not the case. So um, this is just a real-life opportunity that I just wanted to be a part of, and I'm really happy to be a part of it, so. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, even just when I was on the media side, you know, whenever I needed a quote about a teammate or a coach or just some sort of game insight, I knew that I could always go to you and you because have you have such an interest in both both sides of the game. It was always like this luxury that I always had a, a player that I could, you know, connect with for work and stuff. So like, why not work together? Right. But yeah, back to what you said about the analytics, man, I feel like numbers lie. Men, Men lie, women lie, numbers don't. Numbers don't. Except for basketball. basketball Except numbers. for basketball. Basketball numbers do be lying. So just just having you know a different insight and perspective on the game that's outside of the you know analytics, which is where the game has been heading recently. I think um, for us to be you know basketball um, enthusiasts and actually go to the game and um, see what's going on with our eyes and actually use common sense instead of actually relying on, you know, plus and minus and all the other numbers. I think it'll be great for everybody to listen to that kind of stuff too. 100%. I mean, like you said, you know, you, your game in particular is like a prime example of stats, not telling the whole story and the impact being something so far outside of, of the stat line. So I'm very excited for our listeners to hear you kind of explain that factor of basketball, because when it's, you know, when it's coming from me, it sometimes falls on deaf ears, but maybe they'll listen to you. We have two games under our belt so far. The way that the G League season is set up this year is um, there's, it's split into two halves. So rather than, you know, have a couple of home games, a couple of away games, we actually have back-to-back games against the same team um, each week. So we just had two wins over the Westchester Knicks, who are now 0-4. Not good for them. But that brings us to 2-0. and um, What are your thoughts from the first two games? Well, as a basketball player, I'm really impressed that they're able to get that sweep and accomplish that because I'm not going to lie. It's, it's, it's tough to get up for the same opponent twice when it's not the playoffs. So this new G League format, I think, is amazing because they're able to pivot and combat what's going on with the pandemic and, and COVID and, and, and provide a safe playing environment for the players and the staff and, and, and the fans and everybody to be a part of with this with the season being split in two and, and having these kind of you, you play the, the same opponent twice. But yeah, the first game, I was extremely impressed with the makeup of the roster for the first part. Um, second of all, I love the chemistry. I, I love how everybody was 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 playing with high energy it seemed like a team that was eager to be out there because the city you know mississauga we needed it we haven't watched basketball in a, in a while and um there's a lot of integral pieces and parts of the team that i think really stepped up that game and it's it's really foreshadowing what what is to come of the season with all of these moving parts that we have um you know it's, it's a new a cast new ensemble but you have a whole bunch of guys that were able to step up and you had, you know, guys like Andrew Rousey who came off the bench and someone I played against in college and played against as well in the G League, um, who's extremely crafty scorer. 
um, and is a bucket. And he provided a spark whenever we needed it off the bench. You have someone like Jawan Evans who came out the bench. And I always say he's kind of like a, a Chris Paul in the sense that he's um, really, really amazing at managing um, the assist to turnover ratio. Um, he's one of the guys that gives what the defense give. He he takes what the defense gives him. He doesn't force the issue. He gets everybody involved and he guards 90 feet, 94 feet. And that's something, you know, as me, as a player, everybody who knows me, that's one of my MOs is playing defense at a high level. So to have that pit bull mentality and always, you know, fight through screens and not always want to switch. And it kind of like shows me how committed he is to wanting to, you know, help this team be the best they can be. Um, you had guys like Noel who who may not have the best offensive game that day, but he really impacted the game what, through his deflections, through his energy, through his ability to defend. Um, he made a lot of you know things difficult for the for the opposing team. And then you know David Johnson has a lot of athleticism. He showed his athleticism and he was able to make some spot up shots. And um, I love the aggression in which he plays with. And then Bonga is someone who to me was um, incredible in the transition, amazing footwork, spot up shooter. Um, there was a whole bunch of guys that contributed to that win the first game. And um, it was an amazing experience to actually be there and watch basketball live again, but also to be on the winning side um, and, and, and be victorious at the end of the day. Not only is it hard to get up and play the same team twice in a row, but it's hard to win against the same team twice in a row. You know, less than 24 hours ago, they knew everything that you were about to do. They knew all of your game planning. They knew who's going to do what. And so for them to to go out and get not only one win, but two wins in a row against the same team was very impressive. And I think it does speak to the mentality of the team because these guys, these are just a bunch of young guys that are just ready to go. And you mentioned that Juwan Evans, you know, his assisted turnover, he actually was third in the league going into grade or game two in the assisted turnover ratio and first in the league in field goal and three point percentage. So he's one of those players that kind of does it all. And I feel like that's what this team is made up of from one all the way down to the bottom is a bunch of guys who can just do it all and are willing to do it all. Yeah, I think that's imperative when it comes to the success of any team is when you have guys that are able and committed to being a star in their own role. And I think that's what 905 is made up is the guys that are willing to put their arm around each other and play for the next man. And um, you saw that it was, it was a great atmosphere to be a part of. Crowd was amazing. Um, the energy was good. Whenever uh, Westchester made a run, we were able to respond. So I thought it was just an overall sh- a great showing and performance from everybody um, during the first game. Like you mentioned, Andrew Rousey off the bench. That was incredible. You know, his first game with the team, 22 points off the bench, like it was nothing. Then you have someone like Juwan, who's just quietly leading everything. You've got these high energy guys like Kivon and like Obadiah, Noel. And it's just such a delight to see people that are just genuinely enjoying the game. And even some of the assignees that were down, you know, we spoke about this at the game quite a bit, but Isaac Bonga impressed both of us. Tremendous. I mean, he's super young, so it's crazy. The ceiling on him is not even, it's not even there yet. Like we don't even know how far, because uh, that's how much potential he has. He's, he's just a great player. He has great length. Um, he's very active, gets the rebounding, can be an extremely great point forward kind of individual. And one thing I noticed in the first game too, is that the offense for the Raptors has kind of changed. Um, especially uh, 905 since I've been there. Uh, they run a lot of open offense. Uh, their open offense, I think, is predicated off guys like Bonga who are able to get the rebound and, you know, be the point forward and, you know, the dribble handoff, the swings, the the pass and follows, the cutaways. So 
delay offense. Like I, I love what I'm seeing. The open offense is is great because it pushes the pace. It encourages um, transition um, plays, and it also allows everybody in the offense to get an equal opportunity to score. Um, you know, you're not just always sitting in the corner. And even if you are sitting in the corner, running the lanes hard, you're probably going to be the one that gets to pass off the drive kick swing. So um, I like the 95 offense right now with pushing the pace and having that drive kick swing offense and having that open, open, open concept that Bonga and other point forwards like Reggie uh, Perry and other guys have been able to strive in the first two games. Yeah, what impressed me the most about Bonga is that, you know, he had like 21 points in the first quarter or something ridiculous in game one. And he knew when his hand was hot and he knew when it wasn't like he knew when it was time to stop shooting and he knew to impact the game um, in different ways instead of, you know, just trying to shoot through it. So that impressed me with him, especially because he is someone that's that's on assignment. You know, he's not on a two way. He doesn't have anything to prove. He's got that guaranteed contract. He's got that spot on the bench. So for him to go down there and seem like he genuinely wanted to be down down there and play, you know, such high level team basketball was what impressed me the most about him. Yeah. And and we spoke about this before. And, and as someone who's played in the G League, I know all too well what it's like to have some assignments from the NBA come down. And sometimes that 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 takes a hamper on a team because it messes with the chemistry because they're not there at practice. We're not running the same sets. Um, and then also you have a lot of guys who come down, they feel like it's either a chore or they feel like they're too good to be down there. They're going to prove and go out their way to prove that they don't deserve to be down there in the G League and they want to be back in the NBA. So you have guys who play selfishly um, and and it doesn't work to their benefit and it kind of is a detriment to the whole team. But someone like Bonga who came down and he impacted the game not only with scoring, but with his length, with his defense, with his positive energy and his vibes and his consistent effort, um, it goes a long way. And then it makes the next man want to play just as hard. And I feel like that's a great precedence for how you should be when, you know, you're an NBA guy that's being sent down to the G League. You should not look at it as a negative thing. You should look at it as I'm trying to better myself. It's a platform where I could showcase myself, but it's also a situation and a scenario where I'm able to get some reps at the things that I need. And, um, you know, I think that if people uh, who are able to be sent down, look at it with that kind of mindset, then, you know, tremendously it'll impact their game as an individual for sure, but also it'd be such a great thing for whatever team they're playing for as well. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, we saw, we saw Delano Benton come down for game two and he had the same approach that Isaac Bonga had, which was, you know, I'm here, but I'm not here to create my own highlight reel. I'm not here because I feel like I'm deserving of NBA minutes. I'm here to improve. I'm here to help the team. I'm play, here to play team basketball. And that's why you see a lot of these two-way guys and a lot of the assignees, they kind of fizzle out after a while because they don't understand, you know, when you're signed to a two-way contract or you're an end of bench guy, you are not the star player. You're not Kyrie. You're not the primary ball handler. For the most part, their starting lineups, injuries excluded and whatnot, are kind of set in stone. So you're not there to take over this team you're there to help them get as far as they can into the postseason. And if you aren't willing to mold your game and become a role player, at least in the very beginning of your career, then you are not going to have a very long career. Yeah. And I think a lot of, you know, players, especially younger players, um, if they're seeking longevity when it comes to the sport of basketball, they need to adapt that kind of concept of being a star in your own role, similar to what you just 
talked about it's like if you're getting sent down you know chances are you know whatever team you're on the nba already has their james Harden, their Kyrie, their kd uh what have you so they're not needing for you to come in and score 30 points i played in the g league for two years and i i know some players that average 30 plus points but they still never got a call up to the nba or they still never got a contract extension or whatever they're looking for so um, it's not always about putting up amazing, crazy numbers. Like that's not what it's about. Um, it's about showcasing the intangibles because when you're playing at the next level, you want to be able to fit right in seamlessly. So whether that's being a three and D player, whether that is just playing different versatile roles, like there's a lot of scenarios that you can come and impact a small club that will show these scouts that you could be um, very um, impactful when it comes to being in, in these parent clubs. So. It was it was real refreshing to see because you don't see a lot of young guys, um, you know, commit to being a star in their own role. Yeah, and I think that's why Bonga and Delano were so success, success, successful because they both played like just such a a variety of team basketball. I mean, Delano had something like nine assists to go with thirty points, and that's not a stat line you usually see from guys that are on assignment. It's usually you know quite an empty stat line save for points it'll be 30 points with zero assists and four or five turnovers they've both realized so young and so early on in their careers that the best way to be successful is to be impactful i agree i think uh delano he came down he really showcased um uh, you know hoopers love to hoop so when you have somebody doesn't matter you know what environment they're in what atmosphere they're in they just come down they're able to kind of play and give effort and um, exert themselves in the, in the best possible way. I think it goes a long way. Um, Delano pushed the pace, which is great because it encourages that type of, you know, open offense that the Raptors, you know, you know, the parent club also emulates. So the fact that he was able to come down, be unselfish, take what the defense was giving him and uh, be aggressive, but also be, you know, very controlled and poised is something that I'm very impressed with. Somebody that I played with in the Crown League before the pandemic came and swept that away. But, you know, he's a very tall point guard with a high IQ. And, you know, the ceiling on him is very high. And what he showed was just extreme amount of maturity. And I think that it's foreshadowing how successful he's going to be in the NBA um, for years to come. Yeah, for sure. He's my favorite kind of player because he's a basketball sponge. You know, he's like this 6'8 sponge that goes up and just soaks up all of this basketball knowledge and then he uses it in every aspect of his game. So he's always improving and he's always looking to improve. You know, when he spoke to us post game, he said that they asked if he wanted to come down and get some reps in. And he said, absolutely. You know, I'll never miss a chance to hoop. And it's just, it's so refreshing to see guys that are playing because they genuinely love the game and not, it hasn't become a chore. They haven't gotten tired of it. He was down there because he wanted to be, not because he felt like he had to be. Because hoopers love to hoop, and I love it. That's that's the Toronto mentality right there. He's not. It doesn't matter where you are, what ball we're playing with, who I'm playing against. I'm ready to give my all, and that's what he showed. Um, and I think that's very special of him. Like you said, he literally was just being an extension of himself to the Raptors, to 905. So whenever you get an opportunity to get some extra reps in and work on your game, I don't, I don't, I don't think any player that really loves the game of basketball is going to say no to that opportunity. No, definitely not. And I mean, the G League, it's the flow is always being disrupted because the rosters are always fluctuating and you have guys sent down and you have guys called up and then you have guys that are get signed to 10 days or get signed to other contracts. And so it's so hard to find that rhythm. And I think that the 905 throughout two games with two completely different rosters did such a good job of kind of containing that energy that 
that that team has solidified as you know their core and their their recipe for success. Exactly. It's, it's so difficult sometimes, like you said, to catch a rhythm because um, in the G League, the rosters are constantly moving because you have guys that are being on assignment. You have guys that are uh, two-way guys that may have played for a few games and they're not there for a whole bunch of other games. The roster dynamic changes a lot. But when you're able to kind of have these places that are interchangeable because of the attitude that these guys, you know, have on their shoulder, the unselfishness, their willingness to listen and get better. And the, the, the also the ability to kind of give 100% effort, um, all those things are a perfect marriage for just being a successful team and a successful program in general. And like you said, the Raptors, 905 this season is definitely one of a whole new ensemble, whether it's the staff or whether it's the, the players itself. So it was kind of impressive to see them get a sweep with a whole new coaching staff and a whole new whole new roster. But it's just a testament to how 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 great the culture of basketball is at, at Raptors 905. And it's also a testament to how how much they were able to accomplish during training camp, which is, you know, very imperative for, for teams. Um, that's the whole point in training camp. Training camp is to kind of, you know, get that, get those different roster lineups out there is to see who's gelling and who's gluing with who and, and, and try to establish some sort of chemistry so that, you know, when the season starts, you at least have a baseline assessment of, you know, where you can go potentially. The up and down of, you know, we saw it with you a couple of seasons ago, and then we saw it the other night with Andrew Rossi, where, you know, you score 22 points off the bench. And then the next game you have to sit because there's, there's too many players. How yeah. frustrating that is to kind of find your own personal flow, as well as, you know, the flow of the game. Well, I'm going to just be completely transparent because that's what we do here as a player as for the nine of five. I, I recall some games where I've, I've had like 29 points and the next game they sent down to the, you know, Toronto Raptors. So I was unable to play the next game or what have you. And as a player, it's all about being professional. I mean, we all signed up to play um, at this level and we get paid to play at this level and we're professionals. Right. So we have to conduct ourselves accordingly. And, you know, it, it would be a lie if I said that as a player, it doesn't affect you individually, especially when you have such a large impact and you're very productive the game before. And then the next game is like, you know, you know, someone's coming down so you can't play. But I think Andrew Rousey did an amazing thing, which was, you know, after when we were at the post game scrum, um, listening to coach talk, I saw Andrew Rousey go on the court and have a little mini workout. You know, he got some shots up. He worked on his game a little bit, 30 minutes, whatever the case may be, 30, 45 minutes. And to me, that's very telling because that shows me that he's not selfish because someone who's selfish would have sulked. They would have been upset. I just had 22 points the game before. Now these guys are coming down and I'm not playing. They would, you know what I'm saying? But he was able to kind of, you know what? No, I'm going to just stay ready and be prepared because that's the best skill to have as a professional basketball player is to be ready. Because now when, you know, these future games where these assignees aren't down or, you know, when Delano or, you know, the two ways are up there, uh, he's going to get his shine again. And if he's ready, then it'll just show how professional he is and how much of a great mature player he is. So I'm, I was happy to see that. But yeah, I can get frustrating when you're in a rhythm you know you shoot really well and then you're not playing for another day but that's all about being professional is it's about rolling with the highs and the lows and it's about you know being able to kind of get out these situations that deal with adversity and i'm, I'm really happy that i saw that from andrew because it, it shows that you know how great our squad could be if that's how unselfish and how hard our guys are willing to work yeah, definitely. And it's something that not only do we notice as media, I mean, it was always the things that I noticed would be, you know, who's the first off the bench? Who's the first to congratulate their teammates? Who's the first for high fives? And that's something that, you know, that scouts are watching as well. They're watching 
yes, they're looking at your score from the game before, but they're seeing your body language and how you behave when you aren't playing or when things aren't going your way. And those are the guys that I think are going to be most successful, not in the G League, but but coming up to the NBA as well, because it takes it takes so much to be a good teammate. Exactly. And I think that's that's, that's something that's a lost art sometimes. Um, being in the G League, like um, I think you mentioned this to me before, you never know who's watching. So I, I recall being in gyms where you have guys at the top of the stands who look like they're just fathers that are watching or grandparents or fathers that are watching the game, but they're actually scouts. So you never know who's watching. You always want to put your best foot forward, but not just because of scouts, but actually because that's the kind of character person you want to be. When Steve Nash was, was playing, I remember, I think, during his MVP season or one of the seasons, maybe when he went to the Western Conference Finals or, or what have you, I think Phoenix, um, when he was on Phoenix, the league did a study about the amount of high fives that each team has. And I, I remember reading this article as a kid and seeing that Steve Nash uh, and his team led the league in, 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 in the amount of high fives and all that. And I think that interaction is really good. You mentioned when guys get up off the bench when someone takes a charge, when guys are running to, the, to, to, to their guy who just fell down on the floor and helping him up, guys who are patting everybody on the back and guys who huddle up during free throws or huddle up during, you know, during timeouts, um, just amongst players themselves, it goes a long way and it really shows the camaraderie. It helps with the chemistry. It gives confidence to each of the players. Um, and it wants you to try harder for your brother and as women basketball player, try harder for your sister. So I think it's, it's, it's awesome that, um, you know, if a person has that mentality of, okay, I'm not going to score 30, but I'm going to be the guy that's going to high five and provide that positive spark and, and make sure this atmosphere continues to be productive so that I can help my game thrive in the long run. And I think that's something that we witnessed as well the other night when when the Raptors played the Pistons, because you saw someone like Malachi Flynn, who especially lately has not been getting a lot of burn. And he he shot a three. Uh, it didn't go. Pascal Siakam grabbed the long rebound. And rather than shoot it himself, because he did have a quite a hot hand that night, he swung it right back to Malachi. Like, OK, you know what? You missed the first one. Take it again. And Malachi hit it. And that's that kind of leadership and that kind of camaraderie, I think, is something that Pascal probably did pick up from the 905 because organization is so big on, you know, team basketball and team mentality. Well, yeah, there has to be a direct correlation between good, positive vibes and winning, because, you know, when you reinforce that reassurance that, you know, I'm there for you, no matter if you're having a good game or a bad game, you know, Malachi Flynn, you know, he's kind of off to a rough start, but you know, having someone of Pascal Siakam's stature um, get an offensive rebound and then willingly to kick it back out to him after he just missed it. And what we like to say in basketball is two for a dollar. And he made his second shot. And then the genuine response and reaction that Siakam had for his teammate and his brother, I'm sure it instilled a high amount of confidence for Malachi Finn going forward. Now we could probably see him get back into a rhythm or at least um, be more engaged and be more invested and kind of show us that, you know, that Malachi Flynn that we saw last season, the spurts of, of, of excellence when Kyle Lowry wasn't playing or when Fred wasn't playing or, or what have you. So, um, yeah, that goes a long way. And I think that Pascal definitely learned that from just being a part of 905 when he played in that group. And you know, so it's kind of cool to see that, you know, the parent team is still kind of reaping the benefits of what 905 is able to provide um, for these for these players. It's, it's so interesting because when we when we speak about leadership, this team is so young. Like there's guys born in the 2000s and then they're in this very interesting situation where they have three returning players. Only two have played together. And one of the two that have played together is out with injuries. So kind of trying to find this balance of, you know, leadership 
it's very interesting because you have someone like Juwan Evans, who you and I both speak very highly of. We both love his game. He does have that NBA experience and he kind of leads by example. And then you have these other more vocal leaders like Obadiah, who came in from an open tryout and he's, you know, he's out there, he's yelling, he's telling his teammates what to do. And it's just so interesting to see the different kinds of leadership all within the same team. Yeah, I think that's a benefit um, to any successful team is when you're able to have that that power balance between different teammates. You have some teammates who are, you know, a rah-rah type of leader lead through their their verbal uh, commands and and how loud they get and, and they hold you accountable, but they're also able to provide some positivity as well. Um, and then you also have guys like Juwan Evans who, who leads by example or is the kind of guy that will, you know, tap you on the shoulder and bring you in during a free throw and tell you something and drop some gems real quick. And I think we kind of overlooked the fact that, you know, Jawan played under Doc Rivers, you know what I'm saying? One of the, one of the, one of, one of the greatest coaches of all time, whether you could argue that or not, but, and then, you know, you have guys that are coming from these different you know, backgrounds and bringing their experience to the team. They're all able to lead in a different way as a team. If you're allowed to, you know, be selfless and allow the next guy to leave when you're down and then vice versa, I think it only does so much for your squad um, in the long run. So, um, yeah, you know, we'll see who steps up to be the leader for the team, but there's so much potential of everybody having a little bit of leadership in them um, already from what we've seen the first two games. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of reminiscent of the 2019-20 season when you had someone like Justin Anderson who came in and was such a vocal leader. And then you had someone like Tyler Ennis who was very quiet, but he would lead by example. And he was always, you know, the first one in, last one out of the gym. Like, it's just the difference was was also the success, which is so important and so unique to the G League. Exactly. I like how you said it. the difference was was a part of the success because, you know, on a roster of 12 to 15 guys or whatever, you know, not everybody is able to accept being led the same way. When you have different um, leadership dynamics and qualities, then it allows the other players to kind of respond to whoever they need to respond to respectfully. And then with that being said, then they'll get the most being brought out them, which will help the team in the long run. So you have some guys who, you know, they they like the soft-spoken Tyler Innes' type of uh, dynamic that look what he does. He does this rep in practice every single time. He goes hard the same way. He's the last one in the gym. He's the first one in the gym before practice. Like that, that also resonates with certain players. And you have a guy like Justin Anderson, who's more so like after the game, we're all going to, to eat team dinner and there's no if ands or buts and and i don't care what plans you have with whoever like we're all eating as a team and we're going to talk about the game we're going to watch this or we're going to have film here or you need to do this or you know what i'm saying it's kind of provide that encouragement whether it's positive or whether it's holding you accountable but like verbally it also does a lot for some players too because some people need to be waking up some people need to have that kind of have someone on them all the time so it's good to have those two different dynamics and i think that um, you know, our team in that season benefited from it. And I think any team in the future that has different leadership dynamics will, will be able to benefit from that as well. It's such a difference, but it's it's so important, especially with a squad that's so young. I mean, like we said, some of these guys were born in the 2000s. Like they were babies when Get Richard Die Trying oh, came out. <laughs> that's aging me. That's crazy. But like I said before, um, you know, like I said, that's crazy that the, the 2000s, that's really aging me. But um, it's, it's amazing to see how skilled these guys are at a young age. And it just, it shows you, it's just the proof in the pudding of how basketball has continued to evolve. Like at 20 years old or however, you know, 21 years old, you wouldn't expect certain players to do certain things. But nowadays it's becoming almost a norm. 
that, you know, oh, wow, he's 18, he's 19, he's 20, he's 21 doing this, you know? So um, I think it's cool because it's pushing the, the boundaries of the game to the point where now you have, you know, guys at a younger age doing, you know, that are more advanced, more skilled. Um, um, so it, it, it's cool to have that youthfulness. And then obviously it's going to work out with these back-to-back games because guys are so young. They don't need to ice or nothing like that. They're going to be fine. They're, <laughs> they're good. They have a whole bunch of basketball left to play. So um, I think it, it's great that we have some young guys. It's a little scary for us in terms of aging. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's real cool that we have guys that are, are young and playing at a high level. Yeah, they're young. They're eager. They're willing to learn. Like, I think it's for, I mean, it's two games in, but if there's one thing that I'm going to do, it's overreact. I think it's just a genuinely good group of guys. And I'm very excited to see where this season takes us, not only with the team, but with the podcast as well. I mean, you and I have big plans. You know, we've got some great guests lined up. We've got some great segments lined up. And yeah, we just want to thank you all for for listening to the very first episode and hopefully continuing to listen if you if you got through that and you still feel like doing like listening um and thank you for all of the support you know we announced this podcast and the the outpouring of support was so phenomenal and so heartwarming so thank you for that thank you to raptors republic for hosting us and doing all of the behind the scenes magic yeah anything that you want to plug anything you want to say before we say goodbye you hit it right on the head. Like we're going to have a lot of special guests, a lot of great segments coming up. Um, tune in, tell a friend, share the podcast. You guys can follow me on Instagram at do you notice. So at do notice and on Twitter at do take notice um, and continue to look for this podcast, man. It's going to be doing big things. I'm excited to have this uh, kind of forum and discussion um, with Kelsey and, and also with you guys, the fans. So um, talking everything from Raptors to 905 to everything in between and just being uh, a place where we talk about basketball and talk about, you know, the stories in today's games and everything else um, shared through experiences and memories and all that. So you guys continue to listen. Appreciate you guys for the support. And, um, you know, hopefully we see you next episode. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, uh, Kelsey underscore lately. You can find the podcast on Twitter at West Side Stories. You can find my writing, um, Raptors 905 and Raptors related at Raptors Republic. And yeah, that's about it. That's about all. You can catch the Raptors 905's next two games, November 19th and 20th. Should be a good one. We've got um, Justin Jackson, another friend of the pod. Uh, on the Long Island Nets and yeah, some CanCon action mix in with your 905 action. So thank you so much and see you next time. This was saga feel like in the nighttime. Watch what she do when the light shine. Drunk niggas trying to talk in the street.